Hey, welcome back to Sermon Notes. Michael here alongside Garland, our producer Josh. And Garland, we're getting into the I Am series in John as we're looking at these statements that Jesus makes throughout the book of John. It's one of the themes that ties the book together. And we've made it to chapter 10 already. We're well into this gospel of John. Um, where are we at? What, what's going on as we look at John chapter 10? Well, just by the nature of this uh, series that we're doing, we are jumping all over the book. And so there's some good and bad to that. The good is we get to see some of these meta themes develop and we get to see it quickly. Uh, the bad to that is we're kind of jumping into different contexts to see them. So just to reset our brains, for those of you who are uh, in your personal study or leading this uh, in small groups or discipleship, um, John chapter 5 through chapter 11 will present Jesus as um, the fulfillment or the redefinition of the Jewish calendar. And so what we see Jesus doing, all a lot of these I am statements are coming in the midst of important Jewish events. And so uh, that's the section of scripture that we're on. And you can actually see um, in our chapter, he's going to end up going up to the Feast of Dedication. So this is in that series. John is highly thematic as he puts this gospel together, uh, probably not necessarily in strict chronologies, giving us uh, some themes to work with to present Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God. So we've covered that in our intro, and that's kind of where we are. Now, to, the, the I am statement in chapter 10 that we're going to look at is, um, I am the door or the gate. Um, the NIV translates this gate, the door for the sheep. And there it is. There's the I am statement. I am the door of the sheep. And Jesus is going to make some pretty provocative claims. They're actually pretty dangerous claims uh, in chapter 10, verse 7 and 8. And so he says, I'm the, I'm the gate or the door of the sheep, and all the ones who've become, who have come before me are thieves and robbers. Now, that's that's we, we read that and don't really pick up on it. We're going to do the work here in a minute to unpack that. But first, um, what is a sheep pen? Did you see any of these in your... We said last week when you were not here, I, I mentioned my jealousy of the fact that you were in Israel. So did you see any sheep pens while you were there in Israel? I did not see sheep pens. What I did see were shepherds still keeping their flocks in the fields between Jerusalem and Bethlehem. Did you weep? Upon seeing them, I am made of stone. <laughs> nothing, <laughs> nothing can break me. you. <laughs> yes, of course I wept as I, I. This has nothing to do with sermon notes, but let's just throw it in there for our listeners. Which is, as I stood there, I realized this field is not only where the angels appeared to announce the birth of the Savior. Um, those are also the fields where David kept his father's mm -hmm. sheep, and they're also the fields where Boaz planted barley. All that happened in that one area right there outside Bethlehem. Yeah, none of that could emotionally stir you. <laughs> Nothing moves this I, the, guy. The truth is I still haven't recovered. <laughs> I know. So yeah, yeah let's, all right. That's so, why I bring it up. So we got to talk about sheep pens. Yeah, uh, yeah. How does this work? Because that's, we, Jesus is using an object lesson, and um, it's an object lesson that his audience totally gets. So it'd be like us using sports as a metaphor or something in business. And we read it and I don't have sheep. And so I didn't raise sheep. I've never been really around sheep. So um, we have to rely on narratives of shepherds and ancient stories to understand it. And what most think is, especially in a rural setting like this, what happens is um, the shepherds would lead the sheep out in the pastures and the sheep are utterly dependent on the shepherd. But then the uh, when weather would get bad uh, or when there were enemies in the, in the way or at nighttime, 
the uh, shepherds would bring their sheep into a sheep pen. Now, when I think of a pen, I think of like, a, you know, barbed wire or wooden rails or something like that. That's, that's the wrong image. Think of st- stacked rocks with maybe some uh, some thistles or brambles on top. Maybe no more than four, uh, no, maybe no taller than a few feet because the sheep, they're not very agile. They can't really get out. They're very dumb animals. And so um, a, a small enclosure, probably made of, you know, mud and rock. And this would be where the shepherds would bring their sheep. And so what's the gate of that? Uh, there's actually a lot of discussion about the gate because many of these actually didn't even have gates. Probably in a in an urban environment, there'd be larger sheep pens with official gates. Um, actually, one of the commentaries I was reading, uh, they were inquiring to some uh, uh, Bedouin Arabic shepherds in modern day, like the modern day world. And they, they showed them their sheep pen and they didn't have a door. It just had a little opening. And you can Google these. If you're listening to this, you just Google ancient sheep pen. And uh, uh, the, the people asked, well, where's the gate? The sheep can get out. And the Arabic uh, Bedouin shepherd, having never read John's just said, well, I'm the gate. I'm the door. I lay in front of the opening. And so many commentators think that's what Jesus has in mind. And that actually fits nicely in the the broader context because he's been calling himself a shepherd. Just just a couple of verses later, he'll say he's a shepherd up in verses one, two, and three. He says, I'm the shepherd who calls my sheep. So it's not a it's not that Jesus is mixing his metaphors and confused. Probably what he has in mind is I'm both the shepherd and I lay across the entrance. And if you think about what does a gate, whether it's a person laying there or an actual physical gate do? Well, it provides two things. It provides protection from enemies. Uh, it also, it opens up to enable the the sheep in this case to go find provision. So protection and provision and pasture. And Jesus says, that thing, that's what I am. Um, now, that's the sheep pen. And upon hearing that, that that's that's cool. He's he's the protector. He's the one that provides provision. But Jesus certainly has a little bit more behind the story here. And it's with this whole thing of thieves and robbers. But before we do that, any anything to add, Michael, or comment? No, I think that's good. I think just pointing out the fact that while this illustration might take some background work for us, it was immediately accessible right. for his original hearers. He's mm-hmm. not being confusing or obtuse. He's he's using an object lesson, maybe one that was right in front of them. We don't know, uh, right. but yeah. it was something they were very familiar mm-hmm. with. I think mm-hmm. it's great to bring that out. We have to do some work, so we'll do some of that work on Sunday morning. Now, the the, the background of this, and, and Sunday morning, uh, I've had to trim this down to get our time in, and so just to, just for you as the as a careful Bible student listening to sermon notes and a community group, disciple, community group leader, disciple maker, um, we got to understand the context of this. So notice Jesus keeps making mention of these thieves, um, these robbers, and that's really intentional. Certainly Jesus has in mind when he says, I am the door, this idea of protection and provision. There's something secure about that that brings comfort. But he's making a pretty strong claim here. And I said earlier, it's a provocative claim. And to pick it up, we've actually got the, the NIV does a lot of the work for us, which is not in the original translation. If you look at chapter 10, verse one, um, he says, very, very truly, I tell you Pharisees. Now that's not in the original. The NIV is helping us see the audience. They're trying to clue us in um, because otherwise we can get a little confused. I think when you ask most everyday people, you know, John 10, 10, the, the, uh, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and life to the full. I think most of us hear that and we think, okay, I, I get that. Jesus is the one to life and Satan is the great enemy, the great thief. And uh, 
while certainly we would say Satan does bring death and destruction where he goes, that's not what Jesus has in mind here at all. And we got to get some of our context. So to do that, we go to all the way back up to chapter nine. So if you're listening to this, look back up at chapter nine. And what we're going to see is uh, Jesus doing a second miraculous healing that's going to get the object of the healing in trouble. The first one's in chapter five and a debate circles around Jesus healing a man at a, at a pool. Remember the pool that bubbles up uh, and here in chapter nine, it's a man born blind and the man born blind is confronted by the religious leaders, the Pharisees who healed you. How did this happen? No one can heal a man born blind. And it's a pretty humorous exchange they have as the man uh, basically says, Hey, I don't know. I don't know this guy, Jesus, but He's got to be from God. You're say, you say he can't be from God, but he's got to be because nobody can do what this man's doing if they're not from God. And as a result, the Pharisees, the religious leaders in Israel, they kick him out. They kick, they excommunicate him from the community. And then they, they, they go and they find Jesus and they confront Jesus with this. And this is where we pick it up in chapter nine, verse 40. Read for me, Michael, if you don't believe, uh, if you don't mind, uh, verse 40 and 41. Just to be clear, I do believe. I know. Yeah, I, okay. I don't know why I said believe there. <laughs> Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, are we also blind? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. So Jesus makes a very strong comment that the, le- the leaders of Israel are actually blind leaders. They are leading them astray. Now, we hear the Pharisees and we immediately think of them as the bad guys. Right. Uh, we've been trained to think that. And th- certainly some of that is is accurate as they are the ones who reject Jesus and ultimately will partner with the Sanhedrin and the Sadducees and having him crucified. But the Pharisees to an ancient Jewish audience, they're not they're not the bad guys. They're not the religious teetotalers running around telling everybody, you know, the, the morality police telling people what to do. They were people who had a vision of what it looked like to live as a holy nation so that their God, Yahweh, might come back and restore the good life to them. And that vision they was pretty compelling to most people. They were, they were largely viewed favorably by the people. They thought if we can extend the holiness that exists at the temple and among the priests to all the people, then Yahweh will come back and he'll kill the Romans and rescue us. And we want to see Yahweh. That's our goal here. Their problem was in so doing, they had elevated their tradition and actually missed Yahweh coming in their midst. That's the thing Jesus is trying to say when he says, ego, I me. I'm The thing you're after is right in front of you, but you're missing it. And so in light of that context, he gives them an object lesson. He says, hey, it's like sheep in a sheep pen and like shepherds who call. And if you are listening to this uh flip over and just do a little, just go read in its entirety, the sermon notes listener, Ezekiel 34. Ezekiel 34 is uh, written in a time when the Israelites are going into exile. Uh, Ezekiel's a prophet of Israel. So to orient your date on this, around 600 BC. And the nation of Israel is uh, being conquered. It's really dark. It's a really bad time for the nation of Israel. They're being carried off into exile. And we see this, these refugee crises in our world right now with what's going on in Ukraine. And that's what's going on for Israel. They're being dr- driven out of their country. Their country's being destroyed by foreign invaders. And Ezekiel tells them, he says, some of the reason this is happening is my people have been shepherded poorly. I gave you shepherds. He's talking about the leaders. It's an indictment, Ezekiel 34, of the leadership of Israel. You were supposed to lead my people to justice and righteousness and holiness. And instead, you just fed on the sheep to make yourselves fat. And the chapter is a, begins as an indictment. And then it turns into this amazing picture of 
this statement of Yahweh saying, but I will come and be your shepherd. And then it ends with this strange little note. I'm actually going to shepherd Israel through my servant, David, who I will place as shepherd over them. It is certain that Jesus, there's almost no way to say otherwise, that Jesus, as he goes from this indictment on the blind Pharisees in 940 and 41, he goes, hey, let's talk about shepherds and sheep, shall we? And then he transitions into chapter 10, and he starts saying, you're like thieves and robbers. And so we're here at Sermon Notes to try to get some of this background stuff. That's what's going on in the chapter. Yeah, I just want to make one connection for our listeners that you did a great job just summarizing that, that Ezekiel 34 is a key passage to understand this. The the line I want to draw is, as you said, Ezekiel, we think 600-ish BC, David would have been 1000 BC, 400 years yeah. earlier. Yeah. So when Ezekiel ends that chapter, inspired by the Holy Spirit, saying um, David will be the shepherd, the original readers knew he wasn't talking about King David. Mm-hmm. He's he was, been gone 400 years. Yeah, but the true David, the descendant of David, the Messiah that would come from his line, Mm -hmm. sit on his throne. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus is very clearly identifying himself as the person they've been looking for. Mm -hmm. And we we have to appreciate, we've said this in a lot of these sermon notes. I know we said it last week. That's a, that's a drastic thing to say. Hey, all of you leaders, you're blind. You're like thieves and robbers. I'm the gate. I'm the way that you get protection and provision. I'm the way in to have access to Yahweh's shepherding of you, his protection of you, all that Psalm 23 stuff, another good cross-reference here. So um, when we when we read this chapter, there's a lot loaded into it. And when we get to 1010 and Jesus says, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, what he has in mind is this this vision of the abundant life that does not include coming through him. And for the Pharisees, that that includes their way. And that is a strong thing to say in the first century AD. And we might also say that's a really strong thing to say now, that the good life, in fact, that's the title of the sermon for this Sunday is the good life, that the life of abundance and joy and protection and security is is not found in any other ideology, any other political system, any other commodity, anything we could buy. It's actually rooted in this person. He's the gate towards it. And so um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a demand on the reader a little bit, um, but we want to rightly understand the passage. And I think uh, that's, that helps us get our arms around it. We're going to see as we look for, for next week's, it's really tethered to uh, I'm the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep, which we'll pick up on and teach next week. So uh, we just want to help understand these things a little better, see them in their original audience and their original hearers, how they would see it and hear it. And that's the goal here of Sermon Notes. So uh, any last words on this, uh, I am the gate, I am the door, Michael? I just think uh, for our, our listeners as they study this passage is to think of these two weeks as one unit. And so we have back-to-back I am statements. And so next week, as Garland said, we'll be talking about I am the good shepherd. And to just consider um, how these two I am statements complement each other, play off each other. And Jesus is using one extended metaphor here. And we're going to talk next week about who the sheep are in this metaphor. Um, But yeah, Garland, you've done a great job just unpacking that, giving us a little background on it. And we'll see you next time right here on Sermon Notes.